0: Today's episode of the Natural Habitat Podcast is brought to you by our YouTube channel. YouTube. We are doing daily uploads on our YouTube for all of 2017. Go there. Subscribe. Like. Share. Comment. Do your thing. Let us know that you're there watching. Tell your friends. Uh, we also have some best of clips that are going up. Uh, new episodes. New episodes. Old episodes, uh, all kinds of shit. So go there, check it out, find out what's happening. That is Natural Habitat Podcast YouTube. Subscribe today, motherfuckers. So thank you for tuning in. We are here, the podcast is going, it's live, and I'm ready to do it. So let's make it happen. (laughs) Thank you What's up everybody how you doing thank you for tuning into the natural habitat podcast my name is Mikey Booyah and I am rolling solo today so if you come here to listen to Joey or you come here to listen to Ty or come here to listen to anything else besides me talking then bye bye sorry you're not gonna like this episode but I am here and I'm gonna like this episode because this is well, see, I'm slapping the mic. See, I'm by myself. I start slapping microphones. I just can't be trusted. Um, this is another edition of Mikey Likes It. And today, I'm talking Twin Peaks. So, if you have seen uh Twin Peaks, at least the first two seasons from the 90s, then you're going to love this episode. Now, if you haven't seen Twin Peaks... There are going to be a lot of spoilers today. You might want to go and watch Twin Peaks. So you could just pause this. That's the beauty of podcasts. I'm here whenever you're ready. So you want to listen to this in two weeks after you're done watching Twin Peaks. That's fine with me. I don't give a fuck. So I suggest that you check it out. And, uh, I'm going to be talking about the first two seasons, breaking it down. I've been watching season three, super geeked on season three. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you guys listened, uh, we were on we were on vacation uh, a while back, like a month back, maybe. And uh, I was doing these these kind of kind of like uh, I guess updates during the vacation, and all I could talk about was Twin Peaks because I had just found it. So I just found the show. <clears throat> I loved it. A bunch of things about it spoke to me, and I watched season number one. Bam, done. Season number two. Bam. Bang. Boom. Done. Season number three started. And now I'm like, I watched the first two seasons in, uh, I watched the first two seasons on Netflix. So I got to just binge watch them and watch them at my own pace. Now season three is coming out. And it always sucks when you go back and forth between binge watching and having on demand content. Man, this weed is getting me all, getting me all raspy today. And uh, and then when you have to wait every week for something to come out. And it'll usually be like, you know, oh, a new show starts on Comedy Central or something. All right, every week, going to watch that. I still got my other things. But it's very rare that a show switches from being on demand to live, I guess. You know, now that I say that out loud, it probably happens a lot, right? Like you got the first few seasons of something on, on Hulu. You watch it, and then the new sit uh, new, yeah, okay. So just scratch everything that I just said about that. I'm going to edit that out. Don't worry about it. Um, so I found this show. And I had no idea what Twin Peaks was. I had no idea who David Lynch was. And the only thing that I knew from this show was the main character, Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, he plays Agent special agent Dale Cooper of the FBI and he also plays the mayor of Portland in Portlandia. So I watched Portlandia, I love the show, my best friend moved to Portland after we were watching it, so I was like, yeah, you gotta go live in Portlandia, and it was like this whole thing, right? Well, the mayor of Portland is this lovable, awesome character played by Kyle MacLachlan, and Kyle MacLachlan played Agent Cooper back in 1990, so I saw his face on the cover and I was like, hey, that's the mayor of Portland. Maybe I should check out the show. So one day I ended up trying it, and it's like a mix of It's like a like a soap opera kinda. It definitely has soap opera elements. Especially when you get into like deeper into the second season, it gets really soap opera y, but you're already so like invested in the characters that it really doesn't matter. And then there's you know, a, a big horror element to it, like uh, like mystery, murder mystery kind of thing. Dead body found in the very first episode. Uh, there's a very creepy place that he goes. That's in like a dream state kind kind of thing that gets really horror movie type. And then it's also like a campy comedy, and they can't really tell which way they want to go with it. The characters are amazing. And that's what I'm gonna do today is just kind of dive a little bit deeper into Twin Peaks. So, first of all, we should talk David Lynch. David Lynch is a uh, he's he's a director, but he's not only a director. He's a screenwriter, producer, painter, musician, photographer. Uh, he also does construction on a lot of his sets. And he's been regarded as the most important director of this era, which I really can't contest because as I said, I wasn't familiar with David Lynch. I didn't know anything about him. And then I found Twin Peaks, started looking into who he was because he plays, uh, Gordon, uh, Gordon something. I forget his last name right now, but he plays Gordon in uh in Twin Peaks and he's like an FBI agent. So I was like, what's with this crazy guy? Come to find out he does the voice of Gus in the Cleveland show, which is another thing that I watched. So I was like, here's the connection to my modern day thing. This crazy old man is screaming Gus. So I look into him and I find out that he created uh he directed a Racerhead. Um he directed uh and Drive, which is another one that I always hear of whenever I look up like top 10 lists of, you know, scary movies, suspenseful movies, psychological thrillers is what I'm into. It always gives me and Drive. And for some reason, I never watched it. I was like, eh, I don't know. This doesn't really seem like it'd be my movie. Visually, it looked like the wrong kind of old school then I find out it's in 2001. And I thought it was like an 80s movie. So it looks retro on purpose. And it's all about what happens in the movie. And the writing, the directing. So that's next on my list. He also made Lost Highway with Bill Pullman. Or Bill Paxton. Depending on what universe you're living in. Because they might be the same guy. Uh, and a few other things that I haven't seen. He made Dune. Which I also heard a lot of good things about. Blue Velvet. So this guy... Is he's an intense guy, all right? I've watched a lot of uh, a lot of interviews, a lot of speeches that he's given. He likes to go around and give a lot of speeches at um, like colleges and film schools and shit like that. And this guy is probably one of the dopest dudes ever. He's like an old school artist where he's just insane. He doesn't know what he's doing half the time. He just kind of like jumps into it, and then it all works out. And he's just extremely artistic. This is the kind of guy he is, all right? Uh One, when DVDs became a thing, he doesn't allow chapters on his DVDs. So you can't go in, go to the chapter, start at fucking, you know, this scene that's 20 minutes in so that you can see your favorite thing. He's like, movies are supposed to be seen all the way through. And uh, he also doesn't do commentaries. So you know how they'll do a director's commentary on the film and he'll be like, oh, right here, we wanted this person to be this person. He's like, no, the film speaks for itself. I don't need to fucking talk about my movie while you watch my movie. Then how are you going to hear the movie? So uh, I actually have a clip here that, that helps sum it up. And this is David Lynch himself. Now, if you're playing... Um the movie on a telephone. You will never in a trillion years experience the film. You'll think you have experienced it, but you'll be cheated. It's such a sadness that you think you've seen a film on your fucking telephone. Get real. Get real, world. (laughs) See, so he respects the fucking art form. He thinks he should see a film how it should be seen, and he thinks that there shouldn't be a director commentary going through it. So that's dope. I definitely respect a lot of shit that David Lynch has doing. What he has going on, uh, some other things not so much. I found out that he was actually uh, he was actually a something called trans transcendental meditation. Which is, he advocates the use of trans, transcendental meditation and bringing peace to the world. He was initiated into transcendental meditation in July of 1973 and has practiced the technique constantly since then. So he met this dude named Marashi Mahesh Yogi and he was the founder of the transcendental. Transcendental. I'm saying it right. I just feel like I'm not, uh, or maybe I'm not. He uh, he was the founder, and he had the center. Uh, David Lynch moved into the center and actually lived there for a while, and that guy, uh, Marashi, lived in the house with him, but only communicated with everyone via television. So he had like a camera in his room and would do like a live television chat and be like, hello everyone. I am your master and your leader. I'm in the other room. I'm not gonna come and hang out with you but what I am gonna do is tell you how to get world peace through meditating. Everybody shut up, I'm trying to sleep. (laughs) Do you think that's what it was? Do you think that maybe he was trying to sleep and uh, there was like so many people in his house that he was like, look dude, I'm gonna fucking make this thing, meditation thing, get everyone to meditate at certain times. I'll just talk to them through my TV so I don't have to hang out with anyone. It seems like a pretty fucking cush deal. What was that dude doing in there? I mean, you would say meditating, right? You'd say he was meditating. But what was he really doing in there? So anyway, uh, David Lynch has uh, a lot of credits and... He only has 11 feature films or something like that and some TV shows and shit, but he definitely, uh, he definitely made the best of them. These are iconic things. And within these films, he did multiple, wore multiple hats, you know, director, producer, construction, set designer, all these different things. And Twin Peaks was one that is now getting a huge, like, uh, a huge comeback and a huge uh, what's the word I'm looking for they're breathing uh, breathing life into it that's not it either that's I guess whatever so a good re- a huge revival is what this franchise is getting in season 3 twin peaks the return so i'm going to try to stay away from the return that's what i'm watching right now that is the most recent spoilers now these first two seasons are from <clears throat> fucking 1990 and 1991 so if i spoil it for you you know 27 years later and i already gave you the warning and told you to go fucking watch it then this is your own fault so here we go season one it starts out with a body being identified now that body is homecoming queen laura palmer laura palmer is everybody loves her She was uh, the homecoming queen, as I just said. She was a prominent figure in this small town. Now, this town was only supposed to have like 5,000 people in it. And then they ended up up changing it because ABC or whoever screened it first was like, that town's too small. I don't think people will relate to that. Make it a bigger town. So they had to make the town bigger. But in all reality, in this universe, this is a small town everybody knows this girl all of a sudden she's dead now they call in the fbi and that's where we get special agent dale bartholomew cooper played by kyle mclaughlin and he comes in to investigate this character immediately is lovable uh he has like a strange way about him he has this a strange way about him yeah it's true okay he also has this voice recorder that he's constantly talking to some mysterious secretary or assistant or something named diane and he'll just constantly be like diane blah 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 and then stop it and somehow she's getting this information he's like he'll say things like send me this information or look this up and then the next day he'll get packages to his hotel room or whatever that are from diane that have the information so I don't know how he's getting these tapes out to her. Maybe the FBI had some sort of, you know, crazy recording uh data transfer technology in nineteen ninety. It's not unrealistic. But that's what he did. So they start finding all this weird shit, stuff under her fingernails, weird signs of stuff, and they find out that Laura was living a double life, that she was actually uh cheating on her boyfriend, she was uh A prostitute and was doing drugs doing a lot of coke and all of this kind of led to her death so there's all these different things that you wouldn't really see at the beginning that are all small town behind the scenes stuff so shit uh shit pops off pretty quick you're like damn this bitch's life was crazier than i thought it was and all of these characters are being introduced. We got our Bobby Briggs, which is her boyfriend. We got uh, the biker guy, which uh fucking his name is James. And this guy is ridiculous. And he sings this song in uh here. Wait, I have a little clip of the song. So he's like at the house with the two girls and they're going to record the song for her for the dead girl or something. And I thought that they were singing backups, but this is solo James. Check it out. You you <laughs> okay, so they start singing it a little bit. They, like, come in and do, like, some ooh kind of backup thing. But that is his tiny echoey voice. And he is some, you know, hardcore, troubled biker, man. My my, heart, my life's so hard. And then he fucking... But I guess that was the time. You know what I mean? It... uh This did take place in 1990, possibly. Yeah, 1989. So, you know, that was the time. That was the music of the time. We were in a change of the decade, which always provides strange music. Nobody knows what to do. And... Uh, So that is what I always think of when I think of James. Now we have, uh, we got Dr. Jacoby, who is a psychiatrist, who also was, I think, like, in love with, uh, Laura Palmer or some shit like that. And, um, he is some sort of, like, acid fucking Timothy McLeary type guy. And Sheriff Harry S. Truman is a very lovable, dope character. That's the sheriff that helps out Coop. And, uh, these are all like, these guys love donuts, they love their coffee, there's these certain things that are iconic in Twin Peaks that come up all the time, and you really start to appreciate them as you watch it. And a lot of strange director choices, like, at the beginning, uh, Donna, who is Laura Palmer's cousin and James who is the biker with a high voice when he sings but low voice when he talks uh they're at their locker talking they walk away and there's this dude in the background in his locker and he closes his locker does like a Michael Jackson 360 spin and then does like a fucking you know the thing like man this is really easy to do but it's hard to explain it's like a it's like a breakdancing move that everybody could do like a pop and lock kind of thing And it's where, like, one arm goes up, and then your hand goes down, and then your shoulder goes up, and then it goes through your body to your other arm, and then back the other way. I'm doing it right now, so if you guys can see me doing it, and it's right, then you know what I'm talking about. That's what he did. He fucking danced away. He, like, breakdanced, pop and locked down the hallway for no apparent reason. You never saw that guy again. They were just like, hey, you're in the background, fucking pop and lock a little bit. Nothing like that ever happens again. That was just some strange thing that made me go, what the fuck is this that I'm watching? So, uh, let's see. <clears throat> Where was I? She dies, blah, blah, blah. Uh, her dad goes crazy. Um, we meet Ben Horn, who owns this hotel. He's the richest man in Twin Peaks, but he also owns the brothel that little Lori Palmer was prostituting that, So his daughter, Audrey, who is just super fine and just fucking prancing all around this movie, all like, look at how hot and sexy I am. And it's just like, oh, she's a bitch too. So it's not like she's just some like, I want to say that she's like 18 in the movie. And it's weird if it's like, oh, she's 18, like, like a child 18. But she was like a full grown conniving woman manipulating people 18, which I think... I should stop talking about. So, uh, she actually goes, tries to go there, finds out what happened to Laura, do her own detective work, and gets caught at the fucking brothel. And they start making her, may or may not make her be a prosty. But either way, these are all great storylines that happen throughout this first season. Boom, 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 boom. Shit's going down. Now, Cooper is a strange dude, and his thing is visions and dreams. So he's, he starts having these weird dreams where he'll be in this room that has like a red red curtain, strange floor. And it's like a, like a waiting room slash like TV show, almost like a talk show stage. And there's this little man there, little person. And he's called the man from another place. And uh, Cooper is very liberal with the word midget in this show. He's always like, and then the midget told me this. So it was a different time. We're going to call him Little Man now. So the Little Man is on the side. They call him the man from the other place. There's also a giant in there uh, who's fucking huge as fuck. Why is giant okay, but midget isn't? That's what I don't understand. There should be another word. There should be tall man, like tall people. <laughs> why, is, why is tall people not a th- thing? Why is giant all right? Or is giant not okay? If I were to see a big person and I call him a giant, is that a derogatory term? What if I mean it? What if I say it with ignorance? Then is it still derogatory? These are all questions that need to be a- asked by me and answered by you. Uh So this... uh we got the little guy, got the big guy. We got, uh, a couple other people in there. And then we got Laura Palmer in there. Now, Cooper is in this room. He's in this chair. Looks like he's kind of stuck. He like can't move. He's just kind of sitting there blankly and he's old. He looks about 25, 27 years older, which is strangely enough when season three picked back up. So he, uh, he's in this chair old as fuck, sees this little guy. Everybody's like talking in reverse, but you could hear them. The way that they did it was they they actually learned their script in reverse. So they would read the script, say the words forward, say them backwards, and, you know, memorize the script in reverse, say their lines in reverse, and then when you flip it around everything sounds like all rah, 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 all crazy but they're talking forward and then all their footsteps like they would walk backwards around the room and all their footsteps would be in reverse but they would be walking forwards and it was like it was a trip dude it was super crazy so uh he's in this place everyone's talking all backwards and strange he sees Laura Palmer and the little man's all like She looks just like Laura Palmer, doesn't she? And then Coop's like, that is Laura Palmer. And then she goes, sometimes I feel like her, but my arms bend back. Or I feel like her, but sometimes my arms bend back. Something like that. And it was super creepy how she said it. And you're like, "Uh, what? Your arms bend back? That's kind of weird. And that's all tied together to how she died that her arms were bound behind her back when they killed her. And all of these things that they say are all hints to things in real life. So there is something that is in this other realm that's talking to him in these visions. It's not just a dream that he had about a weird thing. This is actually a a message that's being brought to him. And there's all different people in this realm, Black Lodge, White Lodge. Shit gets pretty deep there. And as far as I know, season three has been a lot of explanation for what's going on with the Black Lodge, how it happened, what these people's deals are, and why they're in this other realm, fucking with shit and giving people riddles. It's like, why don't you just tell people? Why do you gotta give us a riddle? Why don't you just tell me what happened? Why does it have to be like, you know, fucking, uh, there was, there was one where he was like, That gum you like is going to come back in style. And then 13 episodes later, somebody says it. And you're like, oh, the fucking gum, dude. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy, the callbacks. And how they'll sit on things forever. And David Lynch really has, like, this crazy-ass way of doing shit. So one of them was uh, there is a man in a smiling bag. The owls are not what they seem. And without chemicals, he points. These are all riddles that Coop has to find out later on. And it's it's the kind of shit that like, makes you think as you're watching it. Because you're, you're not going to know until he knows. And David Lynch would do that all the time with the actors when he was filming it. He would be like, uh, here's your script. Uh, he would give them just their lines or just the lines from the scene that they're doing. So that they didn't know what was going on in the rest of the shoot. He would give them fake lines and shoot fake scenes and put notes on it like, don't leave this anywhere, don't show this to anyone, and you never knew if that was what was really going to happen or if that was just him trying to fool you. So people found out as they watched it. People that were in the show would watch the show on TV and be like, so that's what's fucking going on. And the same with everybody else. So... uh. There's a, like, the riddle element is crazy, the Black Lodge element is insane, shit gets fucking scary and dark there, and I think that's what sealed the deal for me, like, I was watching it, and it had all this storyline stuff that I was explaining earlier, and all the murder mystery, and everybody's, like, banging each other, and it's that classic soap opera thing, but it has, like, a weird kind of old-school feel to it, it has that nostalgic patina. Everything seemed super dope. So I was like, okay, let's check this out. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Coop's in the fucking Black Lodge, and I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't ready for that, that's for sure. And it was some crazy shit that happened in there. So, uh, fucking, what else? There's, uh, oh yeah, this guy, his name is, uh, what is it? His name is Major Garland Briggs. I'm going to smoke one for Garland Briggs. So Garland Briggs is Bobby Blaze's dad. Or uh, Bobby, Bobby Briggs or whatever his name is. I call him Bobby Blaze. Marlon Garland Briggs. Major Garland Briggs. Is uh, he works for the military. It's like some top secret shit. He's always gone. He'll be like out of town and then he'll come back home. And he'll be like, I can't talk about it. You know, I can't talk about it. And like, he's always, he's like a really stern dude. And he'll be like, son, you know, he's Obama apparently. (laughs) He'll be like, son, you don't know what I do. And I can't talk about it. You know that I'm not at liberty to discuss what I do for the military, but... I right, blah, 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 blah. And then he'll like do this whole thing. And he's always bringing it up that he can't talk about it. That it's top secret shit. And then, uh, one day, towards the end of, uh, towards the end of the second season, this fool just disappears. And then, 27 years later, in season three, he becomes a part of this new story. Which is a trip. And he's, he's definitely not alive still. But he is, uh, he's a part of that story and god i want to talk about season three now so bad because like oh fuck okay i'm just gonna give you a little tiny piece all right (laughs) uh season three you start to find out that everything that's happening all goes back to the very first explosion of the atomic bomb something about the nuclear bomb tests and time space. That's all I'm gonna say. That's it. And I think I might have said too much. Now that's okay. You probably shouldn't have known any of that, but that's all right because you should go watch this show and you should enjoy it for yourself. Uh, I think I left. I left plenty, plenty for season one and two. I didn't even talk about season two. So go and check it out. Season one and two are on Netflix. Season three is on Showtime now. Uh, I just you know legally watch it online from a you know reputable source like Showtime, Go Time, or whatever it's called. So this episode is brought to you by Showtime, Go Time, as well as Twin Peaks. Uh, I have a uh, I have some shit about this show that was interesting for all you Twin Peaks aficionados out there, all you peakers. All you twin peakians And uh let's see. I got a story about how the character of Bob was created. Now uh David Lynch does this thing where he'll uh he'll like he'll start something, get it going, get the project moving, and then before he's done writing it or you know, totally completed with the project, he'll start working on it, get it going, and then once it's all moving and once it's going, then it pushes him to create the rest. And he'll be half halfway through production of something. You know, camera crews are all rented, all the time is all scheduled, actors are there, and he's like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing at all whatsoever and uh so a lot of these things come spontaneously and he wasn't sure what he was going to do with the reveal of bob uh bob is uh you know bob is the killer the one that killed laura palmer he's not what you what it seems it's not just some guy named bob it gets deep if you haven't seen it but uh they were they were talking about how they were going to reveal the killer he was like i don't even want him And they said, look, like by the end of season one, you have to, you have to like tie something up. You can't just leave everything open because it was a different time. This is 1990 and it had to be, you know, at least somewhat like a somewhat start to finish production. And then you could kind of pick up whatever the last one left off for season two. But it had to have a closed ended season. It couldn't just stay open forever. So, he filmed three different, uh, three different season finales for season one. There was one where they did no reveal, which was the one he wanted. One where they revealed Bob as the killer. And then one where, uh, one where they did something else. I forget what it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, one where they revealed Bob as the killer. And then one where they revealed Bob as the killer and killed Bob. So they had this whole. You know, fucking shootout thing that happened. Mike came and shot Bob and Coop watched it and it was like this whole thing. And they ended up airing that, uh, overseas. So if you saw it in, uh, in like the UK and that release of it, then you saw that last scene that we didn't see here in the States. Well, what happened was Frank Silva, who is the actor who played Bob, was the set designer for the show. So he was just a guy working on the show, designing the set. And at the end of the very first episode, Sarah Palmer, who is uh Laura Palmer's mom, everybody's like your daughter died. She goes crazy, husband goes crazy, and their like mental health is just deteriorating through the whole show. And what happened is she does this scene where she gets scared by something and she looks off away from, you know, out of frame and it's like, oh, and it's scared and terrified and screaming. Well, at this time, by complete accident, uh, the set designer, Frank Silva, was chilling, you know, uh, off screen, just back behind the camera, just hanging out, waiting for, you know, waiting for the filming to stop so we can go in and tinker with his set he's standing there and he is in the reflection of the mirror so you could see his face it's all fuzzy and out of focus you can see his face and his long hair in the reflection of the mirror behind her and it was just where he was standing the camera angle and one of those things that they didn't really pay attention to so they saw it after they shot it and David Lynch was like oh we got someone in the shot We're going to have to shoot that again. And he looks at it and he's like, you know what? That's actually pretty creepy. And he looks over at Frank and he's like, you know what, Frank? You're going to be my Bob. And then the, the fucking set designer, Frank Silva, was put into the show as Bob. And had a huge, huge uh, like part of the second season. There was also a movie called Fire Walk With Me, which I wouldn't recommend. It's a lot of incestual rape that happens in there. Uh... I guess, you know, just read about it online is probably the best way to take that movie in and get the facts. But uh he just got paid for days just for accidentally being in a mirror. So that's what I'm going to start doing. There's a lot of things that happen on accident like that. There was a broken light uh, when they were removing the stuff from Laura Palmer's fingers in uh, like the first or second episode. And David Lynch liked it so much that he was like, hey... Can you make that happen all the time? And it just became a reoccurring thing on the show. You could always see flickering lights all the time, so he just kind of lets it all fall together and lets it happen as it happens, which is which is the way to do it, I think you know if you can, that's the way to do it. I think that uh like say, say for music, right there's There's this song that I recently did. With, uh, with Roach Clip. It's like, it's this song that goes like, uh, it goes like. So he sent me that beat. And he was like, hey man, uh, I got this new. He's been working on his new EP, blah, blah, blah. Let's do this song together. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's make it happen. And then he was like, what do you want to write it on? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'll sit on it. We'll see what happens. And then, you know, a few days goes by and nothing really came out of it. We started, like, talking a little bit about, like, some concepts. And then I would kind of, you know, like, sit down to write to it and wouldn't really be feeling it. Or I'd be driving around and kind of, like, talking into my phone. And nothing really came of it. And he hit me up and he was like, hey, man, uh, we're like getting close to the release date on this. So do you want to make this happen or what? And I was like, yes, I do. I haven't written anything yet. I'm i i I've just nothing's come to me. So I was like, you know what? Let's meet up tomorrow. I'll come out to your house. We'll make this happen and we'll do whatever. So I go out there and I wrote it there. And, you know, it took me two weeks to not write it. And then it took me an hour and a half to write it when I was, <laughs> when we were in the clutch and it was time to do it and we were there recording, the song needs to be written and made, then we made it. And sometimes you just need that pressure as an artist, you know, to, to make shit happen. And maybe David Lynch is like that. Maybe he just needs the pressure, needs the deadline. That's why you have to give yourself deadlines. Otherwise, you never make shit. And when you have a lot of people relying on you like he does, then you got to do what you got to do. And if that means possibly sabotaging yourself as well as everybody in your production, sometimes you got to do it, man. That's art. All right. So uh, Twin Peaks, bottom line is that Mikey likes it. I'm excited. Every Sunday a new episode drops and season uh season 3 is going to be like 18 episodes or some shit and i'm only like 8 episodes in at the time of this recording so oh, is what i say um thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode if you haven't seen twin peaks i hope you go watch that and i hope you enjoy it uh, i'm not getting paid by david lynch or by twin peaks at all to promote this so this is straight From my heart. And so is this. I love you. Peace.